The parable of the shrewd manager is appropriate for Missions Month, but I, I want you to understand that it applies well beyond Missions Month. And um, I'm not even going to tell you where it's at yet, although you're going to find out very quickly, because I, I don't want you to read your Bible on this. I want you to hear it being read. This parable is often misunderstood. The uh, parable of the shrewd manager isn't even a great name. How often do you use the word shrewd? Um, this is a this is a scene from a rather uh, criminal and shady side of life, and that's why I'm going to read it too from uh, an unusual translation from Eugene Peterson's The Message, because I think he may be the only one who really gets it and doesn't try to clean this message up. So listen in with me. Jesus said to his disciples. There was once a rich man who had a manager. He got reports that the manager had been taking advantage of his position by running up huge personal expenses. So he called the manager in and he said, What's this I hear about you? You're fired, and I want a complete audit of your books. The manager said to himself, What am I going to do? I've lost my job as the rich man's manager. I'm not strong enough for a labor job, and I'm too proud to beg. Wait, I've got a plan, he thinks to himself. Here's what I'll do. You see that dot, dot, dot right there? That's that part in cartoons whenever they say to each other, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. And then the plot goes on. That's what those three dots are. And so... Uh, that's not Peterson's translation, that's Benjamin's translation, but it works. He says, here's what I'll do. And then, when I'm turned out into the street, people will take me into their houses. And then he went after it, one after another. He called in the people who were in debt to his master. He said to the first one, how much do you owe my master? And he replied, a hundred jugs of olive oil. And the manager said, here, take your bill, sit down quick, now make it 50. To the next one he said, and what do you owe? And he answered, a hundred sacks of wheat. He said, take your bill over there, just write in 80. Now, here's a surprise. The master, and I'll put in a little bit of Benjamin's translation, who was being ripped off, praised the crooked manager. Why? Because he knew how to look after himself. Streetwise people, says Jesus, are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They're on a constant alert. They're looking for angles, surviving by their wits. And I want you, says Jesus, to be smart in the same way, but for what is right, using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so that you'll live, really live, and not complacently just getting by on good behavior. The, the message of Jesus to his disciples, it comes to us as, as rather scandalous at times that he uses as his example this crooked, dishonest man who's 
ripping off his master and using unjust means to take care of himself. But that is exactly the point. Jesus is not... Let's let's clarify. Here's what this parable is not about. It is not a parable about management skills. The manager is a figure in this. And, And by the way, we're so in love often with management, and we think that management will solve all of our problems... That we hear a parable like this and we tend to think, hey, look, Jesus got a little lesson about management. This is not a lesson about management. It's a lesson about mission. This is not a parable about strategies. I mean, yes, the manager is clever in coming up with a strategy. He comes up with something that works. It's dishonest. It's illegal. It's unethical. It's wrong. But he knows that by giving all of the the master's debtors a discount, somebody's going to owe him a favor. And the more favors he can rack up, he's going to be okay. He's taking care of himself. He's also selfish. And it's not about strategies. You know, this is not a scripture that endorses us having a strategy that allows us to be selfish. It's saying, Look at how clever and how, how focused this dishonest man was to take care of his own hide. And if the dishonest can be that focused, then how much more ought we who are concerned about the kingdom be focused? This is not a parable about how to get your way in the workforce. That if you'll adopt this manager's uh, Simple five principles, you too can be successful. That's not what this parable is about. Nor is it survival skills for church leadership. That if we're clever and we uh, you know, win favor with the right people in a church, then guess what? We all get ahead. It's not what this parable is saying. Not at all. This parable is saying that if the worldly people of this world, if the crooked and corrupt people of this world can be so focused and so passionate about getting their way, then how much more should the children of light, God's people, be focused on God's end game? This is a parable about mission. Not just international missions, not just going to faraway countries missions, but all missions. God's mission on earth to the people of earth. This is a parable about the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is teaching his disciples, if you're going to be sold out to the kingdom of heaven, then you've got to be even more focused than the worldly people. He says, we have to be smarter than the world. Just as he says to the Pharise- in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, he says, you've got to have a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees. Method is not what he's talking about. He's talking about mission. And mission and situation determine what our method has to be. One of the things that the church, that I'll speak to this congregation, but I do think that this applies to many congregations. We have got to stop making methodology an idol. The way we've always done it may have worked one time, and it may still work today. Or it may have never worked, and it may not work today. There's a range of possibilities. 
But all I'm talking about, I'm not talking about what is the right way to do things. I'm talking about methodology. And methodologies change. You know, we, we go into the mission field, and we're able to do things in the mission field that we couldn't have done years ago. Dave and Joyce Chadwell were talking to me about their mission time in Cameroon and how they had to fit everything that they're sending home onto one piece, you know, one piece of paper, and you write real small, don't you? Joyce told me, you learn to write real small to get all that information back home. And that's in the 1970s. Now we're able to communicate with our missionaries electronically. Rick's bringing us back pictures, videos of children praising God. We're able to do things that we weren't able to do before. See, method, methodology updates. But if we're not, if we're not wise to the circumstances. We're going to miss opportunities. And not just in the mission work, but in the mission work that goes on right here and now. If, if we're not paying attention the way Christ is telling us to pay attention, we're just going to go by the book and we're going to get, I love the way Peterson puts it, we're going to think that it's enough to complacently get by with good behavior. And when we have that sort of attitude to going by the book, we need to get back to the understanding of what the book is really all about because if you're going by the book and you don't even know what the book is what well, you're like donald trump reading the bible you know i'm not you know i'm, I'm just i'm talking about uh, uh you know his statements uh you know like what's your favorite verse ah, i just like the bible i love the bible i love the bible the bible's good good bible good bible and trump is not the first politician to do that mind you and he won't be the last Sadly enough, he's not the first Christian to do that, and he won't be the last. There's a lot of people who want to get by with complacently doing good. And when we think that the one, maybe two, maybe three hours that we put in on Sunday, that showing up here, doing the things you're supposed to do, you had your little cracker, you had your little sip of juice, we pick on Trump, but hey, church, we do it too. And if we think that that's enough, and then the rest of the week is just business, think again. Jesus has called us to be very serious about the kingdom. And he's called us to be clever. He's called us to be smart. Not unethical, smart. He's called us to understand that we have a mission. And when we have a mission, we do what we have to. I want to illustrate this with a parable, with a modern parable. This is a parable taken from the 1995 movie Apollo 13. And Apollo 13 is the story of how this, this was going to be the third mission to the moon. But along the way, a, a tank blows up on the, on the Apollo spacecraft, and suddenly the mission changes. Everything has to be different. Now the mission has changed. They have to get home. And there's this moment when they have to get everyone to rethink it. That's enough setup. Let, let's, are we ready? Let's take a look at this moment and listen to what Gene Krantz, the, the leader, said. Okay, people, listen up. I want you all to forget the flight plan. From this moment on, we are improvising a new mission. We'll, Sorry, we'll get you to look at that. How do we get our people home? They are here. We 
turn them around. Straight back. Yes. Direct the board. No. No, sir. No, sir. We get them on a free return trajectory. It's the option with the fewest question marks for safety. I agree with Jerry. Use the moon's gravity, slingshot them around. No, the LEM will not support three guys for that amount of time. It barely holds I mean, we've got to do a direct abort. We do an about face, we bring the guys right home right now. Get them back soon, no, absolutely. We don't even know if the Odyssey's engine's even working, and if there's been serious damage to this spacecraft... They blow up and they die. That is not the argument. We are talking about time, not whether or not these guys... Let's hold it down. Let's hold it down, people. The only engine we've got with enough power for a direct abort is the SPS on the service module. What Lovell has told us, it could have been damaged in an explosion. So let's consider that engine dead. We light that thing up, could blow the whole works. Just too risky. We're not going to take that chance. In fact, the only thing the command module is good for is re-entry, so that leaves us with the LEM, which means free return trajectory. Once we get the guys around the moon, we'll fire up the LEM engine, make a long burn, pick up some speed, Get them home as quick as we can. Gene, I I'm wondering what the, what the Grumman guys think about this. We can't make any guarantees. We designed the limb to land on the moon, not fire the engine out there for course correction. Well, unfortunately, we're not landing on the moon, are we? I don't care what anything was designed to do. I care about what it can do. So let's get to work. Let's lay it out. Unfortunately, we're not landing on the moon. I don't care what anything was designed to do. I care about what it can do. That's the kind of energy, that's the kind of focus that's necessary for us to really get into mission. Because things change. Circumstances change. But the mission, we have to understand what the mission is. And they thought that they were going to get everybody to you know, the moon and then bring them back. And it was going to be just... The third, another moon landing. Another moon landing. But it became a rescue mission. Let me apply this. When we think that the goal of being Christian is to show up for a few meetings every week and to stay out of trouble, we need to get back to what the mission really is. Because it's much more than that. Jesus, following up on this parable, puts it like this. He says to those who are complacent in doing right, who do you serve? There was a little talk even then about why do we love money so much. We love money because money is a God that will do whatever we want. Money is a God that we can invest our own image into rather than the God who puts his image in us. And when we serve money, or when we serve the things that money can provide, we're serving our own desires, we're serving our own goals, we're serving our own security, our own survival. We may even be serving our own heritage and our own habits. This is what I like, and I want other people to like what I like. If any of these things, as good as they may be, and by the way, that's, 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 that's the trouble here. False gods that come to you, in the clothing and the garb of false gods, oh, those are easy to deal with. You know, somewhere they said that they, they, there's a group that wants to erect a monument to Satan at one of our state capitals or something. And it's this ridiculous-looking, goat-headed fellow who's, like, teaching kids all about the ways of Satan or something like that. People say, are you worried about that? I said, absolutely not. 
I said, that thing won't be up for 24 hours, and someone's going to go stick a piece of dynamite in it or tear it down or something, or they're going to deface it. I mean, because why? Because it's just such a ridiculous monument. The idols you have to watch out for are the idols that kind of look like God. Have you seen these insurance commercials where they say, sort of you is not you? That's the problem. Those are the really scary idols because they look religious and they look good. And I'm not warning you about false prophets. I'm just saying that we can get complacent and we can substitute the real living God and his adventurous, meaningful, life-giving, creative mission for a manual, a technical manual on how to do things. And if we've done that, then we've lost so much. The parable of the manager is Jesus' way of shocking the crowds, even shocking the Pharisees, who, by the way, thought that with the manual, they could technically work out righteousness. And that things that should have been sinful or wrong or harmful or dangerous, they actually turned them and twisted them into things that were technically okay. We're challenged by ever-creative circumstances, ever-changing circumstances, things constantly changing on us. We're being challenged to be creative about our master's mission. I don't want to see things go badly in this country. I don't want to see things go badly in my community. I want the people of this world to learn to love God and be more, to know him better. But I can tell you this, Gathering together, huddling together, and becoming anxious about that is not the mission of God. The mission of God is for us to say, hey, whatever, that, whatever is being thrown at God's people, God's got more power. God's got more resources. God has got the best to give us. We just got to stay faithful to that. Look at his track record. Look at the things that he can do. He takes an old couple I mean old. They're in their 90s, 100, something like that, you know. And then beyond, they go beyond 100. I'm talking about Abraham and Sarah. They can't have kids. God says, I'm going to build a nation out of them. God, that's not your best choice. I think there's some better candidates on the list. We've got this 16-year-old fellow over here, and he's got four wives. You know, and nope, God says, I'm going to pick the ones that nobody else would pick. We've got to kill giants. Why don't you get this guy over here who's working in the uh, you know, sheep herding business and he's got a rock and a piece of leather that he kills wild animals with. He's not the best candidate. We've got some big guys over here with, with metal weapons. Nope, I want this guy. Every time that we down ourselves, you get it, you get it, the story goes on, but every time we down ourselves and every time we look at circumstances and we think, we're not going to be able to do this anymore. Why? Because things have changed. We don't, we're not able to do what we've always done before. It's, it's harder and harder to do this. If our confidence is in us and our means and our ability, then you're right. We're doomed. But if our confidence is in God then we need to hang on because he's got this mission figured out. I want to tell you a story about a church that got this. Years ago when I was in the Houston area, one of the churches up there, their Wednesday night program, and you know, and by the way, you know why we do Wednesday night, right? It's in Scripture. Um, but, but yeah, again, a good thing. But they were doing Wednesday night, and they were doing Wednesday night by the book. 
and it was just sputtering along. And people really weren't, they weren't sure why they were there and what they were doing. And class teachers were, you know, falling by the wayside. And what are we going to do? And we can't do it. We've got to do something. We've got to keep the Wednesday night program going. Why? Because it's the engine of church and we just have to do it. But then a few people noticed something. They noticed that their neighborhood had changed. They noticed that there were a lot of students coming from other countries, people who don't speak English, and they were coming to learn medicine. And since they were coming to learn medicine and, and, and very important study and discipline, it might be good if they knew English, and these people desperately wanted to know English. So this church and their leadership did a radical thing. They said, look, what if we took Wednesday night, I mean all of Wednesday night, what if we just put the reset button on and changed everything, and Wednesday night would no longer be about us. It would be about inviting these families in, doing stuff for their kids, and what everybody's going to do who shows up is we're going to help them learn English. And they used programs like Friends Speak and Let's Start Talking. Next thing you know, people who do not know the gospel are suddenly hearing the gospel. And the people who are so worried about losing their Wednesday night program suddenly get invigorated with new life. Because instead of just sitting around studying about all this mission we're supposed to do, they were actually doing it. And it became a a renaissance. It became a renewal. It became a revival. Just by being kind of clever, paying attention, doing a difficult thing. And I'm sure they had moments where not everybody was really happy about what they were doing. But it seemed to be right. And I, it seems to have really made a difference. I tell you, there are some people who are now not only able to speak English, but people who are baptized into Christ who would say, thank you for giving up your expectations of Wednesday night so that we can worship God for eternity. Now, I just want to ask us to think about those things. See the opportunities around us. That's what mission's really all about. I'm sure we'll be talking more about this, but I don't want you to forget this very important parable because it's a teaching of Jesus. We're going to stand now. We're going to sing this song. If you need any encouragement, there will be elders here to pray with you. we got elders in room 100, so let's stand up. Let's sing this song. If you need to respond to the gospel, whatever it is, we'll figure it out. Just do what needs to be done this morning. Let's